There's something that happens to us, man, after following Jesus and we're on the journey of faith that this simplicity that we started with, the, the fervor, the passion, the purity, if you will, like gets easily distracted and added to and we make it things that it was never meant to be. So today, if you are a follower of Christ, you identify as a Christian today, this message is for you, Okay. Now, today you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't identify as a Christian. Well, great. This message is for you. <laughs> okay? So I, C.S. Lewis actually said, uh, the problem with Christianity is Christians. Anyone agree with that? Like, this is, I would, I'll be in, maybe you guys can sympathize with this because I'll be in great conversation with people and they don't know who I am. This is just casual conversation. And then it'll get to the point of the conversation where they ask what you do for a living and I'm tempted to lie. Seriously, I never do, but I'm tempted. The thought comes in my mind because I know I've had many of these conversations. Very rarely it's happened. I get to lead someone to Jesus and share the gospel with them. But most of the time that doesn't happen. The conversation goes in one of two directions. So we're just having a good time, man. We're just talk like casually talking, whether it's sports or weather, whatever, man, just talking to somebody. And then what do you do for a living comes up and I'm like, Oh, he comes like, should I, should I lie? But I'm thinking like, he's probably going to see me on Instagram or something. I can't lie now, man. Maybe if it was 20 years ago. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I'm like, uh, like, the check comes. I'm like, no, let's, and I tell him I'm a pastor. And, and then it just changes one of two ways. It either changes to a hyper-spiritual conversation where it was just a normal conversation, man. Eagles are 3-0, and oh, let's go, and let's your team, and let's, and then talk about football and trades and stuff like that, and then it turns into, what are you doing for a living? I'm a pastor, and they're like, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm like, what, what happened? Where'd you go? Are you in there, bro? Come on, get back here. I don't know. Or, or it goes in the other extreme where, where hey, what are you for a living? I'm like, oh, yeah, um, I'm a pastor, and then the wall goes up. You ever had the wall go up in a conversation when you start, maybe you, you start talking about Jesus or you say the church you go or Christianity? It happens probably 10 times worse for pastors, okay? Because there's this stigma that, that some people have against pastors. So when I identify, like I'm a, I'm a pastor, that's what I do. I'm a pastor of a local church here in Bakersfield. The wall, man, that I'll get that put up. And, and, and this has actually happened where a guy told me, oh, when I told him I'm a pastor of a local church here in town, he goes, oh, oh. It just turned like it was great smiles. And then, oh, just like this disgust, this disdain. And he goes, I, I hate to tell you, but I'm going to. I hate religious people. And I'm like, and, and I was actually thankful for the way he phrased that because I was able to come back to him and say, you know, so do I. I hate religious people too. And he was like taking, he was taking off guard like, wait a second. Like, like what do you mean you? You can't hate religious people. You're one of them. You're a pastor. And I said, no, no, no. Actually, like, I'm not, I, 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 I don't like religious people. I really don't, man. I, I'm, I don't like how people make this thing that we call Christianity a religion when it's actually supposed to be a relationship with God. And I told him, I said, in fact, I don't like, I, I like religious people so much. I had to start my own church to, for unreligious people. And, and so I invited him. He didn't come or anything, but. <laughs> so today, today, I want to talk to you about, because what happens is that religion sets in. It cements into our faith, man, and something else starts to produce. Some other fruits start to get produced in our, in our life. So I want to talk to you about like how to have, like what is the simplicity of salvation? But I want to first expose some toxic religion 
in our hearts or in our lives, or maybe you've even experienced today. Today, I want to talk to you about toxic religion, how it contaminates the purity of the gospel, the purity of the message, God's message polluted and perverted by religion. To, to help me do this, I'm going to teach from a lot from the book of Galatians. And the, the Galatians is a small letter in your New Testament. You, would, you should read it. It's, it's really small. It's like six, six chapters. But let me set it up for you. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia. He calls it Galatians. But the Apostle Paul is a church planter. So what he would do is he would go to cities. He would preach the gospel. People would get saved. And he'd kind of disciple them. And then he would identify someone who had a calling and a gifting. And he would pour himself into that individual and raise up a spiritual leader for that city, a, a pastor, a local church pastor for that city that he was preaching in. And after a while of establishing some things and training the leadership, he would go off and do it in another city. And he did that in Galatia. But here was the problem in Galatia. When he raised up the, the, the believers and discipled them and had a spiritual leader, when he left, behind him came in what's called a people group called Judaizers. And Judaizers, here's what they did when they came in after Paul left. They came in and crept in on this church. And they said, yeah, the Apostle Paul's great and all. We like what he's teaching, freedom and grace and stuff. That's all good, but he doesn't know all the message. There's stuff he left out. You see, you need to obey some more rules of the Old Testament that the Apostle Paul, he just doesn't know everything, you know what I mean? So it's great, the gospel and freedom and grace, but you also need to obey these Sabbaths and these ceremonies and these festivals and these things, and like that, so it was, they came in and they gave Jesus plus, plus this, plus that, plus you need to get circumcised. These were Gentiles, guys. These were uncircumcised Gentiles that, can you imagine that? Like I've, I find it hard enough to get some of you guys baptized or into track one or something. <laughs> How would it be if I like, if I, you give your life to Jesus and I'm like, we pray and then I'm like, all right, y'all want to get right with God, I pull out a scalpel, come on up. Snip, snip, bro. Let's go. Get this thing right. This would be a church for women only, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> Guys will be dropping off their wives and like, I'll see you later, baby. Okay. So this is like, so this is what they're coming in though. Check this out. There's, there's freedom and grace and Paul establishes the gospel and the New Testament church in Galatia. These guys come in, say no ceremonies and Sabbaths and festivals and circumcision. And Paul is furious with this because it's like distorting the purity of the gospel. So here's what it says in Galatians chapter one, verse six and seven. Paul's mad. He goes, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. So he says, it's not, that's not what I left you. This isn't the gospel I gave you. It's really no gospel at all, which I believe that there are loads of Christians who are following a different gospel, okay? And, and, and even churches that are preaching and teaching, leading people towards a, a different gospel. He says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Oh, you're not doing it right. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not doing this whole Christianity thing right. And you're trying, they were trying to pervert. Say that word pervert. They were trying to pervert the gospel. It's not in your notes, but that word pervert in Greek is metastrepho. Metastrepho. And it means to pervert, to corrupt, to distort, or to poison. So, so they were taking the purity of the gospel and they were poisoning it with religion. Christ plus something. And, and religion is... Is, it's like man-made. It's based on us trying to get to God through rules and regulations and works. But God's plan is not based on people's efforts and good works. It's based on the amazing love and the extraordinary grace of Jesus Christ. 
The presence of God in the gospel, it's so life-giving. In the Galatian church, in the New Testament, they had it at one point, but then they went away from it. And what I want to do is, for a few minutes, share with you some forms of toxic religion. And I want to show you then, show you what real salvation looks like and how we can have what I call a life-giving faith and we can have a life-giving church. Can I get an amen, somebody? But you got to know the forms of, of toxic religion because it sets into the heart of every, it, 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 it attempts to infiltrate every person who has salvation and understands and who it, it just, it can creep on. In fact, Jesus said, Luke chapter 12, verse one, Jesus said to them, watch yourselves carefully, like be on your guard. You know why Jesus says this? Because he knew that within the human heart, there is a tendency for us to try to get to God on our own terms. Inside of every one of us, we, we try to do it our way, get to God on our own terms. So he says, watch yourselves carefully so you don't get contaminated with Pharisee yeast. He calls it Pharisee phoniness. The religious leaders of Jesus' time were, were called Pharisees, and he's saying their religion is phony. It's hypocrisy. Now, I fear God, and I love the church, but today I need to expose some forms of toxic religion that you need to be on guard against that can find its way in the most sincere follower of Christ. So will you open your hearts and open your ears to the word of God today? Amen. Amen. Okay. What are the forms then? Maybe you can, maybe you've seen these. Maybe you, you kind of can sympathize with some of these. Here it is. Number one is external focus. That's the first form of, of toxic religion. It's this external focus where we're focused literally on the external rather than the, the internal. It's more about the looks. It's more about what we wear. It's more about how we sound and the things that we're doing. It's like this external stuff. Basically what it is, it's an outward effort to close the gap between a holy God and a sinful man for us to do something on our own. It's reducing Christianity down to a bunch of do's and don'ts. Oh, you're a Christian if you do this, but you are not a Christian if you do that. Don't do this, do that. It's all these rules and it's so common for Christians to get into this toxic religion of external focus, as long as everything's good out here, instead of focusing on what's in here. Galatians chapter two, look what the apostle Paul is telling this church. As for those who seem to be important, I think that's funny. There's always some people that look like they're important, right? He's like, as for those who seem like they're important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. He judges by the heart. And the Pharisees were all about the look. They would pray long and loud. Oh, look how good I pray. Look at the eloquence of my prayer, and I'm so righteous. They would wear clothing, and they would flaunt. They're like, look at how righteous I look, and I'm not. Look at how blessed I am by God. And, and they would like, when they would give their money, when they're in the temple, they would hold it up and just look at Look how holy I am in giving my offering, much more than that guy. And he's, they're just so external focus that this is something that Jesus, instead of the inside out, lived out faith that we see in the scriptures. The second form of toxic religion is so dangerous. You may find yourself here today, and that is spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference, where apathy and coldness comes in. This can affect, again, the most sincere Christian. At one point, we were on fire, we were passionate, but then we just kind of, it gets, it gets dissipated after time, and we get apathetic and indifferent towards the things of God. This happens, I mean, humans as emotions, we're, we're, our emotions are fickle. They're just not, they're not long-lasting, and they sometimes get replaced by other passions, too. We, we get distracted, and we chase the wrong dreams. 
Sometimes it's because we can't even handle the bless the things that we call blessings. We start to get indifferent and apathetic towards God. This happened to the people in the church at Ephesus. They had a lot of things going for them, wealth and prosperity being one. And Jesus said to them in Revelation chapter two, he says, but I have this one complaint against you, just this one. You don't love me. You don't, you don't love me. See, I don't want your stuff. I want you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You become cold. You become indifferent. He says, take a look at how far you've fallen from your first love. But I love this. Even from there, he goes, I just want you to turn back to me and work as you did at first. And if you don't, look at this. This is the scary part of spiritual indifference because even as a, as a church or as a, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, if we allow ourselves to become indifferent toward God or indifferent toward people, look what he says. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. This is toxic and it's destroyed so many followers of Christ. It's destroyed so many churches that have become indifferent towards the things of God or the people of God. The next form of toxic religion. Y'all okay? You all okay? If we expo- okay, okay. Here's the next form. Number three, write this down, is presumption upon God. Oh, like this is the name it and claim it, right? You ever heard that? We're just like name it and claim it. Just believe, you know, better and more. And God will deliver your happy ending as long as you believe it. You know, uh, we think we deserve it and we presume it upon God. And it's like we're asking God's stamp of approval on the things that we've already planned to do ourselves. Which is God just bless what I've already planned to do. And if you read the scriptures, though, you see that there were a lot of really good, faithful people who did not get their happy ending here on this side of heaven. They didn't all work out for them here on this earth. And then you get Jeremiah 6 and 14, where he says, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. But there are some people who who would wish to just like easily cast over. There are folks who believe that there's just a quick fix and an instant solution for everything. Oh, by his stripes you are healed. And, and there's a verse for it. And, 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 and I know by his, absolutely, I believe that too. But in some churches, if you're walking around with a problem, you're the problem. Because, you know, you don't need 12 steps. Hey, in this form of toxic religion, let me just expose this. Again, I love God. I love his church. But I need to expose some false toxic religion. In, in this, this religious mindset, you don't need 12 steps. You don't need eight steps. You just need one. You need Jesus. And that's it. And by his right, you are healed. And, that's, and, if you, and, if you, and here's the problem with that. Because if you have a problem, you become the problem. Because they say, it must be sin in your life then. It must be sin. Oh, you must be sinning or weakness in your life. And, and this, is so, this hurts and wounds so many people. And then if, like, if you do have a problem, you can at least act like you don't have a problem so it protects the image of this church, okay? And, and so this is, I'm telling you, this is naturally what will happen in this toxic form of religion. People will just cover up and act like everything's okay and act like we don't have a problem because I don't wanna be the problem, so I'm just gonna pretend like everything's okay. And it's like the image of, a person or a church is more important than actually helping people. And so they say, hey, no, can you at least just fake it? Uh, if not, don't show up. Now, they won't say that, but I mean, people, because when you show up in, in this toxic form of religion, you feel the shame and the guilt. And so eventually you just kind of, you just kind of feel shoved out. And we've seen over, and again, please hear my heart. I love God's church. I just have seen so many people come through our doors so hurt by by people, by religious, toxic 
people who try to tell them that they're the problem for having a problem. And, and it's, it's disgusting. Look, we all are jacked up. We all have mistakes. We, we all have issues. I, I've seen it time and time. What we presume upon God is toxic. The next form of toxic religion gets me upset is one that I've seen hurt so many people and that is extreme intolerance. Extreme intolerance where, where they're judgmental and critical and legalistic and there's just no grace for other people. And what's tricky about this one, the people with this form of toxic religion, they don't see it as toxic. They see it as, a, as what's right. It's the word of God. If they see it as just having the right standard and everyone else has the wrong, they, everyone else is just out of balance and I'm the only one in balance. It's my job to get everyone back in balance. You're just, they, so they don't see themselves as being critical or extreme intolerance or being toxic. They see themselves as the standard barrier. It's in the word. It's what the word of God says. And if you would just do the word of God, it's why so many non-Christian people despise Christianity because there's so much hypocrisy in the in some Christians, man. And are y'all okay if I just get a little bit, man, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm talking really strong with you guys, but just look at who Jesus chose as his inner circle, right? Look, look, like I'm not talking about the crowd that followed him. I'm talking about his 12 disciples, these messed up, jacked up people with issues, with mistakes, with problems, just like you and just like me. And, and I think it's amazing that Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. And he chose him anyway. And then after, when he comes to Jesus, after the resurrection, he doesn't come to Peter and say, see, I told you you would, you, you dirtbag or something. He didn't do that. He didn't point a finger and tell him, I told you so. He came to Peter and restored him and loved him. He didn't point out the flaw and the mistake and the issue that he told him that he was going to do and he did it anyway. He just, he just had grace for it. I'll take it a step further than Peter. How about Judas Iscariot? Jesus chose this. He ate with Judas. He, he fellowshiped with Judas. He washed his feet on the day that Judas would betray him into the hands of the people that crucified him. Judas was the treasurer of the disciples and of Jesus. So the Bible, the scriptures tell us he would actually steal money from the treasury. And Jesus knew this. He's God. He knows this. And yet he does not confront it at all, ever. And I'm not saying that you don't confront issues in your life and not and be like, I'm not saying that, but I, I am saying like not everything has to be, if you think it's your job to confront everybody every time, everyone's out of bounds and they're just, I, 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 no, no, you need, you need to get right, you need to get right, you need to get right, everyone get right, everyone get right, dude, dude, please, chill out, it's toxic, that is toxic Religion. Now, there is a time, absolutely, where you got to confront some things and address some things and, and bring it in, but you got to be careful. I'm just trying to help you guard against toxic religion. It'll set in, it'll set in, and the simplicity of your salvation, the purity of this gospel will get poisoned if you do. So, Romans chapter 14 says it like this Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Now he could, he gives us one, but you could put in a, a bunch of other disputable matters right here, but he just gives us one example of a disputable matter. He said, one man's faith allows him to eat everything. But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. His faith does not allow him to eat the meat. So he can't be superior or look down on him. And the man who does not eat everything 
must not condemn the man who does. I can give you they're animals. Protect the animal, you murderer. No, 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 no. For God has accepted him. See, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven who weren't accepted by religious people, but were accepted by God. And then there's going to be, I think, a lot of people who thought not only they were accepted, but it was their job to make people acceptable that might come to find out you were never even accepted by God. I know this is a hard word, huh? I just, I think, but I'm trying to deliver it in the same passion that Paul was, was addressing his church in Galatia, that, that he saw some things that were set in, and he was so direct, and he was so forward with, with guarding against religious spirit. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Like, they don't belong to you. You're not the master of them. Who are you to judge them for what they're doing or not doing? They don't work for you. To his own master. He has a master, and it's not you. To his own master, he stands or falls, and guess what? He will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. That's God's grace. And that would word there, stand, in, in Greek, I didn't put it in your notes, but it's histame. And it means more than just to like stand by itself. It's not like the picture of, oh, God's going to hold him up. Oh, you're going to fall. God, no, that's not what that word means, where God is able to make him stand. Here's what the word means. To continue safe and sound, to stand unharmed, or to stand ready and prepared. See, God's grace is able to not only make the weak stand, but is even able to qualify the weak as ready and prepared to serve him. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Amen. The last form of toxic religion we see is an addiction to spiritual high. An addiction to a spiritual high. This spiritual addiction is, it's an addiction that's not well recognized or easily recognized, in, uh, but it's very prevalent in religion. A person becomes addicted to spirituality and on the outside, it looks like they're on fire for God. On the outside, it looks like, they're holy. However, this addiction is chasing a high and a spiritual connection rather than or opposed to chasing the person of Jesus. So oftentimes in order, it's to avoid a pain in their life or to avoid bad decisions and the consequences of those bad decisions that they've made. See, many Christians, they're going to experience the amazing power of the Holy Spirit. And it is real. And they think like, oh my gosh, if I just had this all the time, night of worship, feeling up and here. Like, I just got to keep that. If I just had that the whole time, this freedom, I'm feeling the presence of God. Man, that's what freedom would be. If I just had this always, well, that's what the addict says. The addict says, if I just had that feeling all the time, that's what freedom is, and I need to continue to maintain that high. I'm telling as and so we, we end up pursuing a high rather than pursuing a relationship with Jesus. And you think it's you think it's spiritual, but it's actually an addiction. Mm, it's bondage. Romans chapter 10, verse 2 through 4. Four, I bear with I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, and that they here is the religious, like the Israelite religious group. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, 
Look at, they sought to establish their own. That's religion. It's our attempt to reach God on our own terms. They did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of that law for righteousness to everyone who, look at, we're coming to a relation for everyone who say it out loud, for everyone who believes. Listen, you are not more holy or less holy or more righteous or less righteous based on what you do or don't do. You are actually more righteous or more holy based on how you believe. And this is something, it can't even be taught. I've been praying for you all week. You, I can try to, but I've been praying because you gotta catch this. Your spirit has to grab something like a truth and a revelation today that, that you're not going to go up in God and level up in God by doing, it's gonna be by believing. And through believing, there will be a fruit of transformation, but it must start with faith and belief, never with your actions and works of doing. And I just pray you're catching, your spirit is just catching this because religion will rob you of life. It'll rob you of the joy. It'll rob you of the simplicity and the purity of your salvation. That's what happened to the Galatian church. They were once a life-giving church. And then they allowed religion and rules to creep into their faith. And so Paul asked them in Galatians chapter 4, 15, what has happened to all your joy? Like you used to be happy, man. And he writes an entire letter trying to remind them of what they first believe. And some of you have maybe grown up in, in, in some of these forms of toxic religion and you've seen it or maybe you've experienced it in some, some way. And I, I've experienced every single one of these. Some when I was young uh, and just hated religion and just got a bad taste for, for church. And I, was, I understand the hesitation that people get when they, when they see and experience toxic religion but some people, they stay on the sideline, man. Like, like some of you, here's how it works. Some of you are in church right now because it's the right thing to do. And it's wrong not to be in church. That's why you're here. Some of you, you read your Bible whenever you do read your Bible because it's the right thing to do. And it's wrong not to read your Bible. And some of you give because that's what, that's what good Christians do, should give. It's wrong not to give. Some of you pray whenever you do pray. You pray because it's the right thing to do. You should pray. And it's wrong not to pray. Okay? And, and there, there's a huge difference of, of going to church, not because I have to, not because it's a do, but going to church for the life that's in it. There's, there's a huge difference of worshiping God and clapping and singing my praise, not because it's the right thing to do, but because I have something in me that has to get out. Like there's life in this worship. It's one thing to just be nice to my wife because I'm supposed to be nice to my wife. And another thing for me to love my wife because the life that's in our covenant, in our relationship. Okay, this is... There's just a huge difference here. There's a whole nother level that God calls us to through the simplicity of this gospel where religion would love to rob you of that. Toxic religion. And so the Apostle Paul is challenging them to the best he could. And I'm trying to challenge you today to guard against the Pharisee phoniness and the toxic religion. And so there's four things that the Apostle Paul gives throughout the letter of, of Galatians. Four things in order to have this life-giving faith. Um, let me give them to you. Number one, you got to walk in freedom, not slavery. Walk in freedom. 
Every time we lean toward rules, any one of these forms of toxic religion, we're just putting ourselves back in bondage again. Now, these are Paul's words, not mine. Look at this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. Now, do you know why God wants you free? Because he likes it that way. That's it. That's it. God likes to look down upon, look at you and see you free. See you carefree, living free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by that yoke of religious slavery. Now, how many, how many here have ever got a speeding ticket? You want to hear ever got a speeding ticket? I'm lying in church, a whole bunch of you. Come on now, where are you at? Yeah. Leadfoots. Who are the Leadfoots? Who are my Leadfoot people? Okay, yeah, I'm like, uh, my wife don't like me driving. She's always trying to, and I'm, I've gotten better, kind of, not really, but, I've, but I remember, like, before, before I got saved, I remember, this was before pre-Jesus moment, okay? I was young Jason, driving crazy. There was this one-lane, like, road, and there's this lady who's driving in front of me, and she's driving, like, 20 miles below the speed limit, man, and I'm like, you already know that's, I'm an impatient person. That's one of the things. Well, let me, let me not claim that over me. I'm patient in Christ. I'm impatient in my flesh, okay? So I'm like, I was, I was in the impatient flesh, Jason. I'm like, I'm like up on her, like get out. She turns on the blinker, like she's going left. I'm like, yes, get out of my way. And hit the turn comes and she don't go. <laughs> Another turn comes. Every, every turn I'm like getting more hot. I'm like mad. And so what I do is I just, I pull over to the shoulder and I start to pass her on the shoulder, man. And as soon as I do and I go past her, I hear, whoop, whoop. And there they are, man. And the, the, he's got me. I'm like, and I'm so mad. I'm more mad at her now. Like you dumb late. Like, and I'm just like, I'm saying things I shouldn't say. You remember this pre-salvation pre Jason, okay? I'm mad at her. I'm mad at the cop. I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at you. I didn't even know you yet. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at everybody. And I pull over to the side of the road and I'm like, dang it, mad here. But then I had a brilliant idea. It came to my mind, dude. It was genius, genius idea. I got out of the car, popped the hood. I got out and I ran over to the hood and I opened it up and I acted like something was wrong with my car. This is why I was on the shoulder of the road. So I'm looking and the cop, he pulls up and he starts coming to the car and I see him like, oh, sir, thank you, officer, for stopping. There's this must be, there was a noise, a noise that was here. As soon as you walked up, the noise stopped. I just, thank you for pulling over to check on me. And I put it down. I'm like, and he's like, he goes, son, I've been on the force for 25 years. I know a lie when I see one. He says it like that. And I'm like, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm like, nah. Like, oh, there was a, there was, there was a noise. And he's, so he just like huffs and smiles a little bit, turns around, he starts going back to his car. And I'm like, that's it. I did it, man. I got out of this thing. This is going to be an amazing story. And then, and then like on the way to the car, he turns back kind of smiling. And he's like, now tell me, son, we're, you were playing, right, about the, about the, the noise in your car. And I don't know what it was, pride or something. I was like, yeah, it was. And he was like, I got you. And he wrote me a ticket. <laughs> Stinky. That dang cop got me, man. He tricked me. Here's the problem, though. See, a lot of you look at God that way. Listen, you, you think of God that way. Like the more you talk to him, the more you're going to get in trouble. The more he'll know, the more like mistakes he'll find and the more issues he'll find, the more tickets that, that you're going to get. And you have this wrong perspective of who God is, like he's after all your flaws. And I'm telling you, that mindset is dragging you back into slavery again. You need to walk in freedom, okay? The Holy Spirit does convict you, but it doesn't leave you there. He wants to lead you the way out. 
Okay, let me write down this, this word, this theological salvation word. I got a few of them for you because I want to teach you some theology in this series. Justification. Anyone ever heard that word, justification? Some people say just as if I never sinned. It means that Jesus made us right with God. Literally, here's what happened. We were, Jesus moved us from the state of sin to a state of grace. It would be as if the officer wrote the ticket, but then ripped up the ticket. There is no ticket that you can ever get that can be counted against you. You have been free. No ticket, no bill, no payment, nothing. You are justified. God has moved you from that state of needing a ticket to free. Come on, he's good cop, not bad cop. Number two, you want to have a life-giving faith? You want to protect yourself from this toxic religion? Number two, Operate by relationships, not rules. Operate by relationships. I'm, I'll tell you some of the weirdest people are the people that don't have friends, right? Get yourself into a group, okay? A small group. You hang around some people, talk to some people, meet and do life with some people. And then when you do, when you get into a group and you find some people, don't bust out the rule book on each other. Just be friends. Just like operate by relationships, not rules. There was this lady years ago she was in church, and she was always seeing her friend's husband, Facebook, always say nice things about her, his, his wife. And she goes up to her husband and was like, how come you don't post stuff about me? And come on, honey, post about me. Post about me. I want you to, you know, how come she's and I want to? And he's like, I don't even have a Facebook woman. Like, I don't, I don't want, like, that's just not me. And so she was just like, like nagging so much. And just like, finally, she's like, give me your phone, dude. Let me take a picture of you. Here's your profile created for you. Here you go. Here you go. Now post how much you love me. <laughs> Talk about how much you love. And so she got tired like he wouldn't do it. She actually grabbed his phone and started posting on his account of how much he loves her. And she would do that and, and, right? so, until like one day he's like with his buddies and they're like, bro, you're making us look bad with all those posts about your wife, man. What happened to you, dude? And he's like, what are you talking about? She got caught, man. And I just think it's the, weird, it's the weirdest thing, right? I don't understand it at all, but it's a lot like how we try to serve God. We want it to look like our relationship is strong instead of working on it actually being strong. I don't know what your relationship with God is like. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you need to know you can't get closer to God by the rule book or by obeying a list of rules or working hard or staying in bounds or whatever that is. Like, like maybe you need to know that. Like you, or you're that type of person that helps people stay in bounds. Like, hey, that's not how you do that. Can't eat that, drink that, smoke like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Look, it says right here. It says right here. You can't do that. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5, 6. The only thing that counts, like all that stuff don't matter, dude. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. That's it. That's all that counts to God. All that matters is when your faith is expressing itself in love toward him and other people. So faith without love, it isn't faith. It's a different gospel. Write down this word, Reconciliation. That word means that Jesus restores a relationship with God. I'm just trying to give you some salvation theology here, okay? This, this word, it literally means that God made harmony where there was hostility. There used to be hostility between us and God, but through what Jesus did, he restored peace, harmony, and friendship between us and God. You want to have a life-giving faith? Operate by relationship, not rules. Here's the third thing. Number three, put others 
before yourself. You know, I like teaching this one because if there's something you're upset about today, it's most likely other people. It's most likely some people in your life because it's like, it's the people. It seems like people are working overtime to try to get on our nerves or to hurt us or to offend us. And, and I felt like in my spirit, this would be a prophetic word for some of you here today. And that is some of you are carrying around an offense, a wound, a hurt, something about someone, and it's destroying your life. Like it's killing you and you need to let it go. Because you'll never know real life until you give that away, that you can't have this life-giving faith unless you're willing to put others above and before yourself. And that hurt and that wound and that experience is preventing you from doing that. Someone once said that unforgiveness is like lighting yourself on fire and wanting the other person to die of smoke inhalation. It don't work. Okay, so, so see, at the heart of all forms of toxic religion is self it's a self-focus, me-focus. But a life-giving faith is others-focus. It's Christ-focus. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. He said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Like, don't indulge your own nature. Don't use that freedom. Like, it's about me. I'll fulfill me. Rather, serve one another in love. It's about them. The entire law is summed up in one single command. Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Put others above yourself, before yourself. Recently, we, we had a day of remembrance for 9-11. It was actually the day of our anniversary as well. And so there was a lot of memory stuff coming back. And I, I was reminded of, of one of those phone calls. You remember those phone calls on 9-11? I don't know if you ever heard those phone calls where people would call their spouse or their mom or something. They're so... Sad, man. One of them, the husband called his wife and he said, honey, I know we're arguing when I left the house. I just want you to know, I'm sorry. I love you. You know, when, when you think you have a lot of time, you got, you got enough time to argue. You got enough time to fight, debate, maybe win. But when you know that you don't have any time left, it's I'm sorry. I love you. Because here's why, because who we're fighting with is nowhere, what we're fighting about is nowhere near as important as who we're fighting with. And we, and we forget that so often. We forget that. Hey guys, live like there's no tomorrow, man. Live like, like we're not promised that day. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just treat them as you want to be treated. That's it. Be life-giving. Amen, somebody? Here's the fourth thing we need to do in order to have this life-giving faith. Number four is relate to God as a father, not as a judge. Relate to God as a father. I, I coached my kids' teams when they were younger and they were in soccer and flag football and t-ball and all that stuff. I tried to get them into sports. It didn't work, but I tried. I tried really hard. I was the coach too, man. I remember coaching my kids' soccer team and one of my daughters, Grace, she was playing soccer and she's like dribbling and we were, we were terrible, man. We were terrible. <laughs> But she's like, she's like trying to, like, she gets past the defenders. And she's got her solo shot, man. And she kicks that thing and it went way right, man. And I felt so bad for her. And I did one of these things, oh, like that. And I, as I looked up, she's looking right at me. Like when she missed it, she wanted to see my reaction. What is daddy doing? And my heart sank because I knew that, oh, like this look, it looked to her like disappointment. Like I was disappointed in her and I, I wasn't, I was hurting for her. I was like, oh, my baby. Oh, my baby, she missing. I was just thinking about how she was feeling. I was not at all. But I thought to myself, like, oh, no, she saw me 
and thinks that, um, can I just tell you, some of you kids that are in here today, it may look like your parents are disappointed in you. They're most likely not. They're just hurting with you. Your decisions are causing the pain and they, ah, and it just, and it just hurts. And so I thought to myself, oh my gosh, she's going to think I'm disappointed. She's not going to want to play soccer. And, and, and this is how, this is precisely, precisely what happens to you when you try to serve God and you kick a bad shot in life and you make a mistake or something. And if you think that God is up there going, oh, kid, get it right, man. You just, it's right there. How much, how long are you going to just mess up like this? If you think that that's what, you will not want to come to church. You won't want to serve God. You won't want to live out your purpose, not because of who he is, but because of what you think about him. He is not your judge. He's your father. In the Old Testament, there was like just a few times they used that word father to describe God. But Jesus in his short life on earth used that title father for God 150 times. You know why he did that? Because it was Jesus who is bringing back the possibility of this relationship with God as father. It is now possible again. He loves you and he wants the best for you. He's not mad at you. He wants the best for you. You know, if you guys, if your kids came over to my house, man, and say we're all, they're all little, you kick them over to my house, playing with my kids and stuff like that, and they're like, we want some hamburgers, and I grill up some burgers and stuff, and I'm making them burgers, and one of the burgers falls on the ground. I'm picking that burger up. They're going to eat that burger. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Nothing. But guess who's getting that burger? Your kid's getting that burger. I'm not giving it to my kid. I love my kid. You know what I mean? Okay. Your God... He wants you, some of you are like, I ain't never going to Pastor Jason's house for a barbecue. <laughs> God wants you to have the best. Amen. Galatians chapter four. <laughs> because you are sons, look what God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are a son now. You're a daughter and since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Jesus wants you to know God as father. And when you see God as father, it'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you worship. It'll change the way you, you, you repent. It'll change the way you, you mess up and try to get back up. It'll change the way you do everything. It'll change your life when you see God as father. But in order for us to remain a life-giving church and have a life-giving faith, you need it. You need to see God. As Father, let me give you two more the theological words for salvation. This one, the next one is adoption. Adoption is where Jesus makes us part of God's family. The Bible says that we were once not a part of his family. We were separated from God, that we were not a people of God. But because of Jesus, he made you a son. And not only a son, but he gave you the keys to the kingdom. You're an heir of his inheritance. You're a daughter of God a daughter of the king. He has adopted, Jesus has grafted you into the kingdom of God, the family of God. Here's this last word, then we're gonna pray, is forgiveness. That just means that Jesus sent my sins away from me. That that, that sin, that mistake, that problem, it's like ripped. It's not on you. It doesn't stick to you because of what Jesus did. Look, the past the present, and all of your future, like all of it, is nailed to the cross. It is not counted against you. You are forgiven and you are free. This is the simplicity of your salvation that we can so easily get away from and start adding to. And today, some of you are here and, 
And maybe you've actually experienced some of these toxic forms of religion and maybe that was the reason why you stayed at a distance and separated yourself a little bit from God and from church and, 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 and maybe that's been a bad representation or maybe even a bad perspective on your part. You need to know that God is not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you. 